if you're here with us last week, and if you weren't, that's okay, uh, we looked at um, the genealogy of Jesus. So, so there's four uh, records of Jesus' life, uh, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Two of the Gospels uh, give us or give more detail uh, to the birth of Jesus. And two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, give a genealogy of Jesus. And, and I'm going to try to explain to you why that's, that's important for us. And we looked at Luke's genealogy, which Luke's genealogy was the genealogy of, of Mary. And then um, Matthew's genealogy, which we're going to look at here for a few minutes, is the genealogy of Joseph. And what's, what's unique about it is, is that Jesus came from the line of David, which was, which was predicted or prophesied or foretold uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, that he would come out of the line of David. King David, and both Mary and Joseph, both of them met that criteria, which was, which was unique at that, at that time. And so Luke gives some unique things about the genealogy of Jesus, and Matthew gives some really, re- really unique things about the genealogy of Jesus that we're going to look at here today. But uh, to understand it better, to understand it better, um, we need to know what Matthew's story was, Matthew's story. And so Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, records his story, or at least the beginning of his story, and you can find that in, in Matthew chapter number nine, and we're going to look at a couple verses here in a minute. But Matthew's story really begins when Jesus went to a place called Capernaum. And when Jesus got to Capernaum, Jesus you know, sailed across the sea and landed in this port city of Capernaum. And when he got there, um, there was these guys that, that were carting or carrying, I should say, their friend to Jesus. They heard that you know, Jesus did you know, some amazing things. They heard that Jesus did some miracles. And so they carted their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus. And so they placed them and at the feet of Jesus, places their friend at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus looks down at the man who was paralyzed and said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, the friends are probably standing there going, well, that's cool, Jesus and all, but that's not really why we brought him to you. That really wasn't the reason why we carried our friend to put him at your feet. We didn't really, I'm, I'm, we're grateful that you can say or you said that his sins are forgiven, but that's really not the motivation of why we placed him at your feet. And so Jesus knew this. Now, the, there was a group of religious people that were, you know, questioning whether, you know, G, who Jesus was. And they certainly at that time didn't believe that Jesus had the any right at all to say that he can forgive sins. Because ultimately what Jesus was saying was, I'm God. I have the ability to forgive sins. And so these religious people at this time are going, whoa, 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 whoa. You have no right to say that you forgive sins. Who do you think you are? Do you think that you're God? And so Jesus knew this. And so Jesus said, hey, hey, what's easier? What's easier for me to say? For, is it easier for me to say that his sins are forgiven? Or is it easier for me to say that he, should, he can get up and, and walk for the first time in his life? And then Jesus makes this statement to them. He said, just so that you no, or just so that you can believe, or just so that I can prove to you that I have the power to forgive 
your sins, I'm going to tell this man to get up and to walk. And he said, sir, pick up your mat and go home. And for the first time in this man's life, this guy got up off of his mat and he walked home for the first time. And they were, of course, amazed at what Jesus did. Now, we don't really know, you know, if Matthew, where Matthew was in this proximity, but when Matthew records uh, his story, he puts that event right before it. And it was in the same vicinity, in the same area where Matthew, who is now collecting taxes, and, and that was something that Rome did. That's why Rome loved to collect taxes. That's the reason why Mary and Joseph were heading to Bethlehem, you know, because there was a census taken so that all of the ancient world or all of the known world can be taxed. That was the way that Rome funded their military. That was the way that, you know, Caesar Augustus maintained political power. He just tax people and they had Rome had taxes for everything you think you hate taxes they really hate taxes I mean there was you know fruit uh, tax there was meat tax there was port tax there was gate tax there was income tax I mean you name it they had a tax for everything and here's the thing that they hated most about tax collectors that they hated the fact that Rome was going to get what they wanted from the taxes. Rome was going to collect what they wanted. And they didn't regulate the tax collectors into creating a surcharge so that they overtax people. And so tax collectors would get what Rome wanted and then they would collect more for themselves. That's why in the Bible, if you read the New Testament and you read about tax collectors, that's why they hated tax collectors because tax collectors were thieves. They were liars. They, they, they took advantage of people. That's why people hated tax collectors. And they really hated those Jews who betrayed their people and they sold their soul. This is the way that they would look at it. They sold their soul to work with the enemy, to work with Rome, to gather taxes for Rome and to get more for themselves, to pocket for themselves. And Jesus walks up to a tax collector's booth and he's now face to face with Matthew. And you got to think, you got to imagine here for a moment that Jesus has also some other guys that are with him, some other of his disciples that are following him, and they're watching Jesus after he just healed a paralytic, after he just saw, they just saw a man who was crippled get up and start walking for the very first time in their life. Now Jesus is walking up to a tax collector, and they're probably thinking to themselves, what is he doing now? It's one thing that he's healing people, and that's pretty amazing, but now he's going to have a conversation with those dirty scoundrels of a tax collector? And you've got to think for, for a few minutes to think the fact that these disciples were going, no, 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 no. 
No, 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 you're not going to talk to this guy. You're not going to have a conversation with this guy. And Jesus walks up to the tax collector's booth and stares a man by the name of Matthew right in the face and says to Matthew, Matthew, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And I don't know what compelled Matthew in that moment. It was probably just the working of God in his heart. But it says that Matthew got up from the booth And he started following Jesus. And Matthew's life was changed forever. Just a little point there. Jesus will change your life when you follow him. Jesus will turn it upside upside down for you and make it better for you and make it right for you if you follow him. And Matthew started following Jesus and to the point where Matthew followed Jesus to where he um, saw Jesus die on a cross. He saw Jesus take on the sins of the world. He saw Jesus was buried into a tomb. And then he went when he, on the third day, Jesus showed up to a house that Matthew was at. And he appeared to Matthew and all the rest of the disciples after the third day, which is exactly what he said he would do. Matthew saw Jesus alive. And Matthew said, I need and I want the world to know his story because people need to know the story of the Savior who died for the sins of all people and who conquered death in the grave and rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father and in control over all things. He's the one that is holding it all together for us. And Matthew said, I need the world to know this story. I need the world to know what Jesus has done for all people And so Matthew starts out his letter. Matthew starts out his book. We call it the book of Matthew. Real clever, right? He starts out his letter, and he starts out with the genealogy of Jesus. And I want to read to you what Matthew's genealogy looked like. Here it it is. We're going to start. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Leave that up there. This is important. So when Matthew started following Jesus, Jesus said, all right, you know what we're going to go first? We're going to go to your, your, your house. We're going to go to your house. And Matthew, I want you to invite all of your friends, your tax collector friends, with us. And so this really irritated those religious people that I was talking to you about. This really upset them. And so they are there. They're like watching Jesus eat at Matthew's house, have dinner with Matthew and all of his tax collector friends and that word gets back to Jesus and Jesus sends the word back to them and said this to these religious guys. He says this, he goes, but when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says in verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so this is right off the bat what Matthew was learning about who Jesus is, that Jesus said, listen, I have not come to call the righteous because there is no righteous. I have come to call sinners. 
I, my desire is to demonstrate compassion. My desire is to show love and grace. It's not about a sacrifice. It's, in other words, what he was saying was, it's not what you can do to earn yourself into a good standing with God. It's not based on your efforts or your merit or your work that you can have a right standing with God. It's based on the compassion of God. It's based on the love of God. It's based on the grace of God that was extended to every single one of us. And Jesus is saying, that's why I came. I came for people like Matthew. I came for people who sold their soul to the enemy, who gave up you know, their privileges as a Jewish, you know, as somebody who was a Jew and, and sold his, his, his life to, to, to the enemy. He says, I've come for those people. I came for them. I didn't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. I've come to call sinners. And that's what Jesus' desire is. Jesus' desire is, is to save sinners, not on the platform of what I've done, but on the platform of what he did. This is what Matthew understood more than anything else. And so here we are, Matthew chapter number one, to the genealogy of Jesus. And this is what he says, to the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, this is important. I'll get back to that. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now, here's what's unique about this genealogy. Matthew is, is writing in, which was unusual, Matthew was writing in women into the genealogy. Normally, genealogies are all men, you know, men and, you know, they had this son, they had this son, they had this son, he was the father of, the father of, the father of, and, and it was all men. But Matthew starts writing in women uh, into the genealogy. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, verse Verse four, Ram was the father of Minadab, and Minadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Here's another woman. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, another woman. And Obed was the father of Jesse, verse six. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba. He adds her in there, who had been the wife of Uriah. Now, Pause. This is, if you're a Jewish person and you're reading Matthew's genealogy for the first time, you are like embarrassed. You are horrified. Like you're going, Matthew, what are you doing? We're trying to make Jesus look good and you don't even have to add in women to your genealogy because nobody does that. And you're adding in women, not just women, but you're adding in women with checkered pasts. Like you're adding in people that, that when they're going to read this, especially Jewish people that knew their history well, that they're going to read this and they're going to go, what is he thinking? I thought we're trying to sell Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior. Matthew, what are you doing? And reason why Matthew added these people into the genealogy of Jesus is for one reason and one reason only. They were the reason for the need of redemption. They were the point. 
The reason why they were adding in, because here's what Matthew wanted everyone to know about Jesus. That Jesus didn't just come for sinners. Jesus came from sinners. That's what Matthew wanted people to know. Matthew's saying, listen, listen, listen. This is the point of why God left his place in heaven to come to this earth, to lie himself in a manger so that he can live a perfect sinless life and die on a Roman cross and beat death and rise from the grave because I've come for sinners. I've come for those who need a savior. And and according to the angel, that's all people. They were the reason for the need of redemption. And Matthew's telling the story. And you know what I think Matthew's also doing? Matthew's adding in names with women and their story because I think Matthew, I know Matthew could relate to this. I think Matthew, look, look, at, look at it says in verse three, back to the genealogy, Matthew one. Judah was the father of Perez and, and Zerah, so there's two kids that Judah had uh, children with, Tamar. Now, Tamar, this is a story, because there's kids in the room, we can't even talk about in church. Like, you're going to have to go back and read the story of Judah and Tamar by yourself, you know, because this is a story that is like rated R. Like, this is a rated R story. It really is. And so Matthew's writing in this rated R story, and he's including the name of, like, Tamar and what happened with Judah and Tamar. But he's also adding in. Do you have in verse 2? Can you go back to verse 2? Look what it says. But it says in verse 2, his, Judah and his brothers. It says Judah and his brothers. And so this is a story that I think Matthew could relate with. Because he's thinking about Judah and he's thinking about his brothers. And Judah was one of 12 brothers of, from Jacob. And, and, and Judah, you know, was probably, you know, somewhere in the middle of, of the family of, of Jacob with all of his brothers. And his, his brothers, they hated one particular brother. They couldn't stand this brother named Joseph. You know the story of Joseph, Right? They hated Joseph. They couldn't stand Joseph. Joseph was like the favorite. He got everything from his father that he wanted, and he, they were just, they couldn't stand him. So they decided, you know what? We hate Joseph so much that we want Joseph out of the picture. And so they were gonna go and capture Joseph, and they captured him, and they were gonna go and kill him. And so they're getting ready to kill Joseph, take him out of the picture, tell the father that an animal killed him, and, you know, and, and, but they didn't care, but they, they just wanted him, wanted him gone. Judah came up with the idea, Judah came up with the idea that he said, you know what, let's not kill Joseph, let's sell him off. This was Judah's idea. Let's sell Joseph off into slavery for the rest of his life. We don't care about his well-being. We don't care what's going to happen to him. Let's just get rid of him, and maybe we can make a little money doing so. This was Judah's idea. They sell Joseph off. Joseph, they don't know what happened to Joseph. Judah goes about his life, has a family, has this terrible, chaotic mess of a situation with Tamar. Later on, there's a famine in the land. They need to go to Egypt and go and get some food. They get to Egypt. Joseph and his, or Judah, excuse me, Judah and his brothers get to Egypt. And you know who they run into in Egypt? Joseph. 
They run into Joseph. There's Judah and his brothers. That's what the scripture says, Judah and his brothers. They run into Joseph. Joseph reveals himself as second in charge of Egypt. And you know what Joseph does to Judah and his brothers? Joseph forgives them. Joseph shows grace to them. Matthew knows this story. Many of you in this room know this story. Joseph is the image or the picture of Jesus. And even though Judah and his brothers didn't deserve his kindness, he gave it to them anyway. That's Jesus. And Judah is us. And what you and I need is that we need the forgiveness and the grace of God. What Matthew needed was the forgiveness and the grace of God. And what Matthew could relate to was, wow, just like for some reason God chose Judah to carry his line all the way to the birth of our Savior, Matthew's thinking, God also chose me, a sinner, to follow him, and my life was changed forever. I think that Matthew looked at Judah and thought, just like I would, if it was up to me, if it was up to me, I would have chosen Joseph. Joseph was the righteous man. Judah was the unrighteous man. If it was up to me, I would have chosen Joseph to carry the line of Jesus. But that's not what God does. God chooses the unusual. God chooses the unusual. God, usually God chooses the unusual candidate so that God gets all the credit. And here's good news for you. If you are unusual, God usually uses you. Isn't that good? If you are unusual, God usually uses you so that God can get all the glory. You see, that's what Matthew wanted to show us. Matthew said, just like God uses me, just like God came to a tax collector who is a liar and a cheat and a thief, God is coming to me and he allowed me to follow him and to be used by him to write his story. And we now have, many of us have the book of Matthew in our homes just like God uses Matthew, God will use you. Just like God used Judah in all of his mess, in all of his poor decisions, in all of his bad choices, God will use you and me. I mean, just let me give you a couple of examples. I don't know if you're convinced yet. Abraham, God uses, he was old. Moses was a murderer and a stutterer. Jonah ran from God, and God used Jonah in an incredible way. Paul, you think you hate Christians? Paul hated Christians. He tortured Christians. These are the people that God uses. These are the people that God comes to and says, you know what? Usually, God chooses you so that God can get all the credit. That's the people that God uses. This is the reason why I think Matthew said, you know what? He came from Judah, not Joseph. He came from Judah. And Judah had a relationship with Tamar. I can't even tell you that story. You think your life and your past and your choices are checkered? You think you're ashamed of some of the things in your past? Don't, 
I'll tell you the story of Tamar if I have to. (laughs) These are the people that God said I can use. These are the people that God said I came for. And these are the people that Jesus came from. Why? Because they were the point. They were the point. You know what else I think that Matthew, who Matthew related to? Look at it, it says in verse 5. And Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Now, now, <laughs> all of us, we're not going to say it. We're not going to say it because we shouldn't say it in church. But Rahab had a tag name, didn't she? Rahab the blank. Don't say it. <laughs> Rahab the blank. You all, everybody know if your kids are here, you can tell them later. But listen, I'm, that's, I'm not going to tell. Rahab, had, she, had, she had a tag. She had a tag to her name. You know who else had a tag connected to their name? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew, for, for his whole life, was known as Matthew the tax collector. And that was like its own category. That was like, I mean, they didn't even lump tax collectors in under the category of sinners. They had their own category. Like, they were like, the religious people were like, hey, why is Jesus eating with or hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors? I mean, they didn't just lump them up with all the sinners. They said they have their own category. In other words, they're saying they're worse than sinners in our mind. And so Matthew had this tag connected to him. Matthew, the tax collector, just like Rahab had a label connected to her. You know, and and listen, it wasn't what those labels were that defined them. Those labels or those, those tags that were connected to them, that's not what defined them. What defined them was what Jesus did for them. You see, when Rahab, in the story, you should read the story of Rahab. It's an amazing story. She welcomed in spies into her home. She hid spies because why? Because she knew that God was doing something that no one could stop. She knew that God was up to something that no one could come up against. That's what she knew. And so she welcomed God's people into her home. She protected God's people into her home. What did she demonstrate by doing that? She demonstrated, according to Hebrews 11, she demonstrated faith. She demonstrated faith. And it was her faith that covered up her failures and God forgave her. It was those faith that she had and by hiding those spies and sending them on their way safely that covered up her failures. And a result of her faith, God forgave her. And she didn't earn a good standing with God on the basis of what she did or what she's done. She earned a good standing with God based on what God was gonna do or what God did on the cross. That's how she earned faith. And Matthew's looking at Rahab going, I'm like her. I'm like her. Just out of faith, that covers up all my shortcomings and all of my failures. And I'm forgiven because of it. 
And I don't have to earn my way. I don't have to try to figure out how to get into a right standing with God. Jesus already made that way for us. And that's why Jesus came to this earth. Not for those who think they're righteous. But for those who are sinners. And that's all of us. And once you've put your faith in Jesus, this is so important. And this is what Matthew is trying to tell us. This is why Matthew's adding these names. Once you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are covered. Your sins are removed. Your sins are forgiven. That's the point of Matthew's genealogy, and we can go on and on and on if we had the time, we don't. But he gives us another situation. Look what he says in verse six, he gives us another example. And Jesse was the father of David, the king, just so that you're not confused at which David we're talking about. By the way, the man who is you know, closely associated with Jesus, the, the man who you know, the line of Jesus had to run through, or the, the line of the Messiah, I should say, had to run through David. And Matthew writes in, David the king, just so you're not mistaken. David was the father of Solomon, okay? And then it should say, and, and Solomon was the father of, but instead Matthew gives us pause and says, by Bathsheba, and he still drags this out, and a Jewish listener or a reader is going, no, 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 don't, don't, don't go there, Matthew. Don't go there, Matthew. David is the most revered Jew that we have. Don't go there, Matthew. And Matthew keeps going and says, who has been the wife of Uriah? And if you want to hear more about that, you need to come back tonight. Let's pray. Father, you came not to be served, though you earned it, deserved it, are worthy of it. Instead, you came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for all people. Right now, we are sitting in the promise of a new covenant, a new covenant that is good news and great joy for every person. That you choose people like Judah and you choose people like Matthew to carry out your will and your plans and to be demonstration of your saving power and the power that you have to forgive sins and change lives forever. forever. We thank you for showing us that and Matthew showing us that and his genealogy. People like Judah you use, people like Matthew you use, people with checkered past or bad decisions like Rahab you use, people that have a tag or a title connected to their name. Maybe if we peel back our hearts, we know that we have that 
that label to us as well. We know that we have that tag that's connected to us as well, that thing that maybe nobody else knows about, but you know, you know. But that's not what defines us. What defines us is not what we do or don't do. What defines us is what you have done for us. And by putting our faith in you, putting our trust in you, leaning our lives into your work, not our work, but leaning our lives into your work, that's what brings redemption. That's what brings joy. And that's what brings peace on earth and goodwill towards men. God, we thank you for that love and that kindness and that grace and that forgiveness that you've extended to every single person here. I just pray, Lord, that we understand that it's by receiving that gift, it's receiving that gift that you've extended to us on Christmas Day, that you gave us a gift of grace, a gift of love, and by receiving that, Our sins are washed away. Our sins are covered. Our sins are forgiven. That we can walk in a newness of life, a life that is changed from the inside out. God, we thank you for that love. We thank you for that kindness. I pray for those here this morning that have never received that gift. I pray I pray that they receive the gift of your son, Jesus. That right where they're seated, right here and now, in this moment, that they call out to you from their hearts, that they call out to you, and they admit the fact that they are sinners, just like Matthew was a sinner, just like Judah was a sinner, just like Rahab was a sinner, just like every single name in the genealogy was a sinner. But you weren't a sinner. You had no sin. And you paid the sin debt for us so that we can know what it means to be forgiven, know what it means to have eternal life. We thank you for this time together as we celebrate your birth and your coming. I pray you'll be with each one as they leave here today. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas.